today we're going to talk about how accessibility or rather lack of access to informal social groups and social networks at work can present obstacles to career advancement for women. Firstly, let us talk about the principle of gender equality. I think this is something that most if not all of us would agree is something that should not be contested. We would all agree that gender equality is something that we as a society should strive towards. Uh, but when we talk about gender equality, what comes to our mind? Uh, the first thing that comes to my mind would be formal policy considerations, statutory requirements, constitutional safeguards, which are aimed at improving gender e inclusivity, improving gender equity. So we talk about things like longer maternity leaves, paternity leaves, upholding constitutional safeguards against gender-based discrimination, equal pay for equal work, things like that. All of that is well and good. However, thinking about gender inequality only in terms of these institutional frameworks is not enough, is not comprehensive enough as a solution towards um, the, as a solution to the challenge of gender inequality in society. Because, okay, e even when we talk about it in this formal statutory or constitutional legal sense, right, where we're talking about tackling overt forms of gender discrimination, I think this is also something that is not an entirely uncontested principle, definitely not in the Indian context, which is why I said most, if not all of us, would agree that this is a principle that has to be upheld because even in urban, uh, e even in the urban context, even in so-called progressive circles and progressive families, you would find extremely conservative viewpoints existing regarding the place of women and what women should be responsible for, how they are most suitable as homemakers and how uh, pants in the family and breadwinning in the family is uh, should be worn by men or breadwinning in the family should be the responsibility of the man of the family so these problematic and very regressive notions are very much in place however even if we talk of that circle of the society which agrees that gender equality is something that has to be uh, striven for even in that circle or even within an organizational setup that recognizes the importance of diversity, equity and inclusion and has put in policies in place, conducts occasional or even like regular workshops for gender sensitization and inclusivity and whatnot. Even in these contexts, we often find that in the upper echelons of the organization or as we move up the chain of command, we find fewer and fewer women or we find diversity to be something that is lacking so leaders in the organization are more or less homogenous in so far as their gender makeup is concerned and that sadly does not include women or other marginalized genders on the spectrum why is that so that brings us to look at gender bias and how uh, and even how sexism operates in contemporary contexts beyond the understanding of gender inequality as overt gender discrimination. So we have to look at contemporary manifestations of sexism in its more covert forms, which are a result of existence of unconscious bias. Unconscious bias that is held not just by men, but also by women. So we have to go beyond the very narrow notion of 
um, feminism as men versus women, where we only vilify men as the problem and do not consider how socialization is something that has very much impacted women and every other gender on the spectrum as well to the point where we also contribute towards reinforcement of our own subjugation in society, right? So how does unconscious bias operate and result in the status quo or result in the, um, you know, uh, slimming of career prospects or prospects for upward mobility for women at work? Here is where our discussion of the importance of informal social groups at work comes in. I think um it's uh, interesting to theoretically ground this understanding of social networking at work in pierre bourdieu's concept of social capital so bourdieu talks about social capital as uh, resources which can be active or potential and these resources are associated with uh, possessing a network of relationships which are permanent and these are relationships which are based on uh, notions of trust, of mutual benefit, of reciprocity, and these are relationships uh, where cooperation, in-group cooperation that is, you know, cooperation among members of the group is very easy. And there is transmission of resources and transmission of power even within the members of these group or across the members of these group. And this is uh, social capital. Social capital is something which is a very important component of these informal networks at work. So when you talk about informal social networks, so uh, in the context of uh, your workplace, you would then uh, mean those, it would mean those relationships or network of relationships which you as an individual employee would form across different functions and different domains within the organization. The aim of which, of course, uh, would not just be to advance your career goals, but also to um, help with personal requirements or emotional requirements. So access to informal social networks is something that is extremely critical for anything to be achieved within the organization. It's not just how much you objectively achieve as an employee within the organization in the nine to five space or um, work schedule that you have on a regular basis, but to get things done in an organization, you have to have access to certain support and guidance, certain instrumental resources. And many a times at work, you also need a certain credibility, certain rapport in order to have access to opportunities which others who have the same level of skill as you do might not have access to. And women often find it extremely difficult because of certain social pressures and certain barriers that exist to enter informal social networks at work. Firstly, let us look at how workplaces are composed, majority of people in corporate settings tend to be men. So if majority of the people are men or majority of the people who have influence or power in office settings tend to be men, if that is the case, then these men would also have a proclivity to form networks with people who are similar to them maybe juniors who are also male in the same organization. And also look at the kind of practices that they have, um, the kind of informal social practices that they have, which they engage in in order to get to know each other better. It would involve something like getting to know each other over drinks after office hours. 
things that do not uh, consider the um, responsibilities that a female co-worker might have because if I am a woman and I'm working nine to five it might not be possible for me to stay with you the guys from the office until 9 p.m chatting over drinks but this is an activity that of course is important for rapo building because then i get to know these people outside the context of work and i get to understand who these people really are what their strengths and weaknesses are how are they similar to me and this then translates into um because of course these social networks will not just consist of people who are at the same level as you are professionally speaking but also seniors and when you have seniors who also know you at that personal level at that informal level then it helps because then it adds to your credibility later on when you do some work and when you have this senior speaking for you or speaking on your behalf when you are not in the room and this is something these are opportunities that sadly a lot of women uh, miss out on because of the fact that the kind of practices and informal networking that happens at work is not something that, uh, you know, that is um, possible for them to engage in or that is comfortable for them to engage in. So because of these reasons, they have inadequate access to these informal groupings. And this becomes one of the main reasons why women feel like they are the outgroup why they feel like they don't have a lot of people at work with whom they can actually uh, share details of their personal life with or share issues that they face at work. So this reminds me of something that a flatmate uh, told me recently, that my flatmate told me recently. So uh, while she was off at work and she works as a, she works as a cinematographer and for a particular shoot, she had to visit a city which was close to Delhi but then she would have to return at night and because the shoot was not going to last for more than two days they did not have any uh, lodging arrangements and all the other people in the group were men so they did not have to be bothered with the fact that the organization had not made any lodging arrangements because they could make those arrangements for themselves or they could even return home because it was uh, about an hour and a half ride from where they stayed and the problem was that for my flatmate there was only one other woman on the shoot and she was the only other woman on the shoot and she had to be concerned about things like traveling late at night using a cab. This is something that her male colleagues clearly did not have any problem with. And she also found it, given that she was someone who had recently joined her office at the time, this is something that she found a little uncomfortable even bringing up with her colleagues because she felt that her experience is something that the others did not share and she didn't know if this is something that would just be disregarded as her being um, overly concerned about something that was actually a non-issue, if this is something that would um, cast her in a bad light as someone who is incompetent and so she just didn't bring it up. And she then had to be the one, uh, you know, taking that extremely stressful cab ride late at night and this is something that I'm sure none of her colleagues um, considered at all because they were all men. So, okay, so <laughs> this is something that becomes an issue with women. Women find it difficult to find entry 
into social networks of course the example that i just cited was not something related to networking as such but this talks about how social networking also becomes difficult for women or talking about their problems at work becomes difficult for women because there is a lack of diversity when it comes to composition of the workforce as a whole women do not find others like themselves at work and hence are not comfortable sharing their problems at work and this is something that of course also has an impact on the organization's performance as a whole if you are like if because of inaccessibility of a community or if because if women in your organization because of lack of accessibility to a certain community feel like they cannot continue in the organization or feel like they are not being able to progress in your organization or feel like they're not being able to bring their whole selves to the table while at work in your organization if that's what's happening to the women in your organization then clearly your organization is not being able to benefit as much as they would have as it would have had it provided you know the opportunity to women to truly um perform to the fullest of their potential the bottom line is that women need access to a community and the way organizations operate at present the way the organizations are composed at present or the way people uh, the demographic of the uh, people the, the way the demographic of the people of people in power in organization looks like right now um it makes it extremely difficult for women to be upwardly mobile so what then can be done what then can be done um firstly it's uh, important to recognize the importance of building communities for women in organizations in the workplace it's uh, important to recognize the importance of having something like an employee resource group in place so when you have employee resource groups which of course are voluntary um, groups and these are employee led and these also have as a rule one senior member as well as a full time member and as an advocate of the um goals of the group so when you have employee resource groups as such in place then it provides a safe space for minority groups to it could be based on gender it could be based on sexuality it could be based on something like disability or neurodiversity any kind of employee resource group that you have in your office creates that sense of community that sense of belongingness it creates a self, it creates a safe space to share experiences and problems that um say women are facing at work if it's a women's employee resource group and then at the same time it's important to have sponsorship and mentorship programs in organizations So while a mentor is someone who would provide advice support or coaching to the mentee the sponsor on the other hand goes one step further they not only provide access to their own networks but at the same time also become someone who proactively help enhance visibility of their protege in the organization provide them opportunities and also publicly advocate for their promotion and you know stand in their favor even when the protege is not in a position to do that herself or to do that themselves so existence of these kind of programs in place 
help to enhance women's access to networks at work. It helps to get them introduced to people who would otherwise not be a part of their immediate network because of certain barriers that we've always that we've already talked about barriers to entry to these informal networks. If um, these forms of um, hand holding or these tools to help women were not in place in the work uh, in the workplace at all. So uh, these are the things that ultimately help advance the cause of gender equality, which is why ultimately it's important to recognize that, uh, you know, if you're talking about gender equality, don't just stop at policy considerations. Of course, policy considerations are extremely important, but it's also important to look inwards and recognize, at least acknowledge at first that unconscious bias does exist. And when unconscious bias does exist, um, you are contributing towards reinforcement of status quo, which is not a very equal one as at all. And when you're talking about existence to uh, or access to, sorry, access to a social network, it is uh, extremely important for marginal communities, for women especially, who anyways face a lot of struggle at work when it comes to establishing their credibility, where they always have to walk this tightrope between, you know, balancing their femininity and also being authoritative. There always lies a question of, okay, how authoritative can I be? Uh, you know, if I be too authoritative, if I come across as someone who is too pushy or too assertive, then I will be a bitch. So my confidence and my likability is something that is always a tightrope that I have to balance between. And in this scenario, it definitely helps to have access to resources or social capital that can help make you feel like, hey, you're doing the right thing. You're in the right place. You have the skills and you can do better. So career progression and gender equality at work, therefore, has to go beyond trying to examine whether or not overt forms of sexism exists and trying to address the same through policy measures. Yep. Thank you.